mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, as Congress battles over the already passed but not yet funded CHIPS Act, thousands of jobs, and Ohio's place as a leader in technology hang in the balance, with Intel putting their multi-billion dollar investment in our state on hold. We speak with Senator Sherrod Brown and Lieutenant Governor John Husted. Also this morning in our community and business spotlight, does the United Way really make a direct impact on people's lives in the community? You bet they do. CEO Angela Dabosky shares a personal story. And we have this week's collection of recipes a day earlier than usual from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, July 14, 2022. Happy Bastille Day to you, uh, also known as French National Day, beginning of the French Revolution, today Bastille Day in France. Other reasons to celebrate, in case that's not good enough for you, National Grand Mariner Day, National Mac and Cheese Day, it is National Tape Measure Day, the tape measure patented on this day. And you think about that sounds so simple, but where would we be without it? Pandemonium Day, it is Shark Awareness Day, and International Non-Binary People's Day. So, observances and reasons to celebrate today. This was a really interesting, serious uh, note, a a story that I saw on the uh, Newswire in the aftermath of uh, several high-profile mass shootings in the past couple of months. Uh, Some in the media now are suggesting that news outlets... Television, online, and print outlets should begin showing images of the victims in these attacks, which are frequently carried out with high-powered weapons to do brutal damage. Um, Graphic images of violent crime victims are rarely shown by news outlets out of concern and not wanting to upset the families of the victims or uh, offend the sensibilities of readers be... uh, It'd be seen as exploitative, but now, but now, some are arguing that uh, uh, self uh, self censoring those uh, those images uh, amounts to an invasion and evasion of responsibility to show reality amid the epic of mass shootings in this country. Uh, You may recall after the Uvalde Elementary School shooting in which 19 children and two adults were killed, the senior vice president for news at NPR tweeted out the message, we cannot sanitize these killings. That in and of itself is an editorial decision, unquote. But the executive director of the DART Center for Journalism and Trauma, Bruce Shapiro, tells the Washington Post or report on this that uh, news media should avoid creating a sadistic image culture that desensitizes people to this type of violence and and its effects. He said uh, other kinds of reporting can often be more effective, suggesting journalists ask themselves is blood the only way to jolt the public conscience. And I I understand the mindset here. I understand the sentiment saying if we show the images, the aftermath, the actual images, the aftermath of the victims and so on uh, of these uh, horrific crimes, uh, does that shock the sensibilities of people into actually doing something? Um, I would suggest that if you want to do something if you want to do what you can to make these incidents less common instead of showing the victims in the aftermath of these uh, attacks maybe show the perpetrators a little less i mean how many times have we seen the image of the shooter in the july 4th shooting in uh in uh, uh suburban chicago how many times have we seen his uh, his now what now first at first when the news media showed his uh, photo he was still at large 
And it made sense. They're going to put uh, the image out there saying, hey, this is the guy. If you see him, call the police. But he's now that he's been arrested and charged and in jail and all of that, why do we keep showing his face? Why do we keep... Uh, and the same thing with the Ovalde school shooter. Why do we put it... I, again, I often reference uh, the late Paul Harvey, uh, who had a uh, uh, penchant for reporting on these mass shootings and these mass casualties and these uh, perpetrators of this by pointing out that this individual would want me to tell you his name. And then he would go on without even saying the per- perpetrator's name. So maybe that would be something. Talk a little bit about that instead of showing the uh, after effects of the for the victims to stop giving the perpetrators their 15 minutes of fame just a thought but then what do i know uh let's see what else is going on a couple of other uh, stories that i thought were uh, interesting that i saw in the uh, newswire this morning have you noticed a big mosquito problem this year i have not i was somebody mentioned this i hadn't even thought about it until somebody mentioned it to me the other day said you know i just haven't had uh, a whole lot of mosquitoes. It uh, doesn't seem like we've had a big mosquito problem uh, this year. Uh, maybe it's uh, it's just me. Maybe maybe I'm not particularly appetizing. Have you ever heard that uh, that that somebody say that mosquitoes uh, prefer uh, certain that somebody is a mosquito magnet? You said that you know, I'm a mosquito magnet. It seems like I'm always good. Apparently. There is such a thing. Experts say uh, carbon dioxide is a uh, giveaway that there is a yummy treat in the area for mosquitoes. And since human beings give off carbon dioxide when we breathe, that's how mosquitoes detect us. Uh, Mosquitoes also smell us. And some of us do smell more delicious to mosquitoes, according to the experts. Uh, They also say wearing certain colors... I mean, there's nothing you can do about the way you smell to a mosquito, I guess. But uh, wear, wearing certain colors like black or red may attract mosquitoes. White or green may help repel them. So, like I said, I haven't noticed a, a big uh, mosquito problem this year, but there's one way to uh, repel them. That was kind of interesting. Um, another uh, phrase that you... I uh, probably heard it time and t- uh, one time or another. I'm talking about medical miracles. Those things that happen, people recover from, you know, fatal diseases or, or terminal diseases, no medical uh, explanation. Uh, and they ascribe it to a higher power. Well, again, this is new research from the Harvard School of Public Health and Brigham and Women's Hospital. They say a high level of spirituality is associated with better health outcomes. Scientists report that spirituality helps in reference to both serious illness and overall health. In light of their findings, the authors say uh, spirituality should be incorporated into various healthcare settings. Now, here's the, the kicker in this. What exactly does spirituality mean in this context? According to the International Consensus Conference on Spiritual Care in Healthcare, they describe spirituality as the way individuals seek ultimate meaning, purpose, connection, value, or transcendence. That may be religion. In fact, for many people, it is religion. But it can also refer to many other ways of finding ultimate meaning, like connecting with nature, or community, or family, or what have you. But uh, it doesn't have to be religion. Just spirituality in whatever form it takes should be a part of it because it does have a positive effect on health outcomes. Kind of interesting. But again, something that I think many of us uh, inherently knew. Uh, A couple of other uh, items here that are among the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Did you hear about this? A rock memorabilia dealer and two other men have been charged with scheming to sell allegedly ill-gotten handwritten lyrics to the classic song Hotel California. 
uh, among other hits by the Eagles. Prosecutors say that this uh, trio of individuals lied to auction houses and buyers about the uh, fuzzy chain of origin for these manuscripts, these handwritten lyrics, all while thwarting Don Henley's efforts to reclaim the items. According to the Manhattan District Attorney, uh, these individuals made up stories about the origin of the documents and their right to possess, uh, possess them so that they could turn a profit. Uh, the uh, lawyers for the individual's charge insist the men are innocent, saying the DA's office alleges criminality where none exists. One called the charges the weakest criminal case I have ever seen in my entire career. And they say this is a civil dispute over ownership, not a criminal uh, uh, case. According to prosecutors, one of the men bought the documents um, about 15 years ago from a writer who worked on a book about the Eagles in the late 70s that ultimately never got published. Uh, The writer gave a variety of explanations over the years of where the documents came from, which he tried to explain his conflicting stories by saying, hey, it was... 35 years ago, my memory is a little foggy, <laughs> which I certainly can believe. If you think about <laughs> he was hanging out with the Eagles 35 years ago, I would guess his memory is probably a little foggy. You know what I mean? I find that very believable. What's interesting in this, one of the men who is charged in the case is actually a curator for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who has been suspended while the hall uh, conducts their own investigation into his role in this whole thing. So stay tuned. Weird story. And um, let me see if I've uh, got time to uh, to get this in, because this is a uh, serious story. Uh, one woman in uh, Bellevue, Tennessee, lucky to be alive. WKRN-TV has this report. Renee Parsons spotted a dollar bill on the bathroom floor at her local McDonald's restaurant. She goes to the restroom. There's a dollar bill on the floor. What would you do if you saw a bill, dollar bill on the floor? You do what everyone would do. You bend over and pick it up. As soon as she touched it, she began feeling numb. And she said she couldn't even breathe. It was almost like a burning sensation. And uh, it was like the numbing of, uh, eventually numbing of the entire body. She soon collapsed, had to be rushed to the hospital. Uh, her husband said uh, that she, he was worried that she was going to die. Uh, well, guess what? After they got her to the hospital, they determined it was an accidental overdose. Police believe the dollar bill on the ground was laced with fentanyl. Um, and this, I saw this story and I was like, you know, there was a a thing, I don't know, a report 10 or 20 years ago. I seem to recall the amount of money that had traces of like cocaine during the height of the uh, the drug war uh, back in the 80s, they're saying the amount of dollar bills uh, in circulation that had traces of cocaine because people are using rolled up dollar bills, snort cocaine. And here this comes again with fentanyl and people doing drug deals, drug transactions, and certainly very believable that traces of fentanyl would be on a dollar bill. I guess moral of the story is see a dollar bill laying on the ground I think twice about picking it up don't you that's wow crazy story there you go some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started WFIN News I'm Matt Demchek your WTOL 11 weather a good deal of sunshine expected again today with a high of 81 it'll be mostly clear tonight a low of 59 A judge has sentenced Robert Hathorne to 26 to 31 years in prison for shooting and injuring a highway patrol trooper in Finley last fall. Hancock County Prosecutor Phil Regal says Hathorne's lengthy criminal record was a factor in the sentence. His record is awful um, and and propensity for violence. Those things are obviously concerning to law enforcement, especially when he's had prior issues with law enforcement in the past. Regal says the shooting and manhunt that followed affected a big part of the community. I mean, we had schools out, we had people that were scared on the whole west side of town especially, and this was um, 
very dangerous situation. You can get more on the case and see video from the sentencing on the website. In Akron, lawyers for Jalen Walker's family say the officers who shot and killed him will be held accountable. There were not eight, there were 13 officers. There were 10 total who used force, as far as we know. Two used tasers, eight used bullets. Attorney Bobby DiCello spoke after Walker's funeral on Wednesday. Police in Akron say Walker was killed after he fired a gunshot from his car and then ran from the scene on foot. An Ohio family has a good Samaritan to thank for saving them when their house caught on fire. Ring doorbell camera video shows the moment a stranger alerted a family that their house was on fire. Your guys' garage is on fire. Happened in Fairfield, a suburb outside of Cincinnati. The woman said she spotted the fire and drove over to see what was going on. Turns out 11 people were in that home. Everyone was able to make it out safely. The family says their smoke detectors were not working at the time. Onan's Clay Gordon. The Finley Municipal Court has received a nearly $20,000 technology grant from the Supreme Court of Ohio. The court says it will use the money to implement an e-filing system that will eliminate the need for parties to mail documents or report in person to the court, eliminating a transportation barrier for many court users. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. And now we get into our cover story this morning. Senator Sherrod Brown is with us uh, on the line. A lot of uh, ground to cover here, Uh, Senator. First of all, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. First of all, got to ask you about the uh, big uh, story of the week, inflation at a 40-year high. As you have uh, barnstormed the state over the past couple of weeks, uh, have people been talking about anything else? Uh, sure, they've been talking about lots of other things, but they certainly talk about inflation. I mean, one of the things I was in Cleveland last week, and we um, we the, the 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 Congress and then the White House fixed this pension bill. A hundred thousand Ohioans, uh, union members who were going to lose thirty, forty, fifty percent of their pensions, Congress acted, uh, and we fixed that pension, and that's a big deal for people. We also, um, I was in Chillicothe, not not Finley, but Chillicothe, where we um, after the former president had tried to move, begun the move to close this veterans hospital serving southern Ohio. We've kept it open um, because of huge, huge opposition from Republican and Democratic veterans alike. So there are a lot of things going on. Inflation, and people are understanding more and more that inflation is mostly caused by companies raising prices, taking advantage of the pandemic and raising prices, especially oil companies and drug companies and, and shipping companies and meatpacking companies. Companies and uh, and then Putin's war has made it worse. So we we've got to attack inflation. We've got to do a better job. Uh, there's a lot left to do, but this it's clearly a problem. One of the issues of particular interest to Ohioans, and this kind of leads to our cover story. We're spending a lot of time talking about this uh, this morning, and that is the status of the Chips Act. As you know, this is a, uh, a measure that was already passed by Congress, but not yet funded. Uh, which has led to uh, Intel uh, putting on hold their uh, plans that were announced earlier this year to build that huge facility in New Albany. Yeah, we're um, we're on track to do it. We've got to get it done in the next two weeks. Uh, Senator McConnell, we we had very strong bipartisan support, including Senator Portman. So both Ohio senators of opposite parties are pushing hard and been on the committee to write it and all that. Uh, it looked like it was on track, and Senator McConnell is now saying, unless the Democrats back off a bill that's going to bring down drug prices. He's not going to. He's going to. He's going to withdraw his support for this bill. And this is. It's, so it's a question of Senator McConnell deciding, picking the drug industry over Ohio jobs, and we are going to continue to fight. We're going to put this on the floor in the next two weeks. We've got to pass it. If we don't, you're exactly right. Um, you're, you're exactly right, Chris. If we don't do it, a lot of these jobs are going to go to Europe, and we have. It's, we only make 10 percent of chips now in the world. We started that industry, but bad policy by, frankly, presidents of both parties and Congresses in the past um, 
passed trade laws and tax laws that outsource so many jobs, and we, we lost so much of our supply chain and so much of our chip production to China and other countries in East Asia, and we've got to fix it now. We can wait no longer. I, you mentioned you're going to get this uh, up for a vote on the floor uh, this week. Are you willing to work with Senator McConnell and other Republicans to get an agreement on their concerns uh, to get that, uh, the funding for the CHIPS Act passed? Oh, we already have. I mean, we've already. Yeah, I, I, I said this week. I, I should have said over the next two weeks. Next I don't know weeks, for sure if it will be this week. So I want to make sure that's understood. Um, yeah, we've. I've already given a. I and some others have already said, okay, let's strip down the bill to just this. But Senator McConnell is saying no. Um, we've got a Senator McConnell is based the, the drug company. Senator McConnell is always very close to the drug companies, the tobacco companies, and the oil companies. And if he is protecting the drug companies um, from this legislation, and he's willing to stop the CHIPS bill um, to protect the drug companies. And that's a no-go. I have compromised. We've compromised. We've, we've scaled this bill down to just CHIPS, and Senator McConnell needs to get on board. I, I, I don't it's simply not good policy to do the drug companies bidding instead of a jobs bill that will mean thousands of jobs in, in around the state, hundreds of jobs only in Hancock County, good paying jobs, and we can't let this opportunity pass. And, uh, and Senator McConnell's just wrong on this, but it's, it's, it's kind of what he's done before. So to be clear, you feel you have the votes to get this done here in the next couple of weeks to prevent this uh, from permanently mothballing that that uh, huge investment uh, in Ohio's economy. Yeah, well, the, the investment in Ohio's economy is going to go forward. Um, the question is, is it is a, a bigger and bigger and bigger investment? There will be a big investment. They've committed that, even without this bill. But the, the answer to your question is, we're going to move forward. We're going to find a way to get the votes. We're not going to let the drug industry and the oil companies uh, stand in the way of doing this. We need to do this sooner rather than later. And we need this to be as bipartisan as it's been before Senator McConnell introduced this drug industry question into the, into the debate. Senator Sherrod Brown, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Thanks, Chris. Lieutenant Governor John Husted joins us on the line this morning as Congress continues to battle over the CHIPS Act at the federal level. Thousands of jobs and Ohio's place as a, as a leader in technology kind of hanging in the balance and Mr. Husted, I, I have to admit that I was not necessarily surprised when Intel uh, announced that they were uh, putting their uh, that uh, investment in, in New Albany uh, on hold for the time being um, as a result of, of all of this uh, uncertainty over the CHIPS Act, not partially because of the, the cynic in me, uh, but Projects of this size rarely go off without a hitch. So how concerning is this from your point of view? Well, Intel, you know, is committed to building the first phase of the semiconductor production facility to two fabs in Ohio. But that's a $20 million or $20 billion investment. This project has the potential to be a $100 billion investment that would have five phases. So the final four phases um, were never a promise, but the CHIPS Act will largely determine whether they happen and, and at what pace they happen. So progress is being made on the construction site for phase one, but whether, but whether all five phases ever happen and get built out really do depend on the CHIP Act passage. And and it and it's worth noting that while this we are big fans of this from an Ohio point of view, look, this is going to create a brand new industry in Ohio, uh, thousands, tens of thousands of jobs and and help support um our economy for generations to come because it's not just going to be a Columbus thing. There's going to be a all the suppliers are going to be from Findlay to Toledo to Cincinnati to Cleveland, you name it. But this is part of national and economic security as well. Mm -hmm. uh, because we don't make, we make 0% of the most high-tech semiconductors, the computer chips that go into military and really high-end 
cons- uh, uh, development projects and construction projects and products that we need the, to de- defend our nation. And, and we don't make them in America. We depend on them to be imported from Taiwan right now. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that just, we can't put ourselves as Americans in that spot. Uh, we can't depend on the most important mass-produced high-tech product in the world to be made outside of America, particularly uh, when they're under the influence of people who are not necessarily our friends, like China and others in Asia. So this is really important for America, not just Ohio. Uh, so to be clear, as you were mentioning, and just to reiterate, Intel is committed to at least the first page of this project, but this could, uh, the future of the CHIPS Act, could uh, determine not only the timing, but also the scale of the project ultimately. So you would see this as a as a glitch rather than a potential death blow. Well, it, it, it's... You know, I, I guess I wouldn't, I don't know how to exactly what the appropriate way to characterize it. I'll, I'll just call it a, it would be a grand missed opportunity for America, which Fair would enough. have implications on Ohio. Um, it, it, you know, we're excited about the fact that they're going to build semiconductors, computer chips in Ohio, and that they're going to invest in this first phase. But, but it, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of like, uh, for, for economic development purposes, if the CHIP Act passes, it's like winning the the Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Championship, <laughs> and Stanley Cup yeah. of economic development for Ohio. And, and if it doesn't pass, you know, it, it, it will be maybe you know one championship, but not but not the whole yeah the whole deal. And and it's just really it's really just frustrating for a lot of us who've worked on this who see this massive opportunity at our doorstep and all it takes is for congress to hold a vote and i know it'll pass um we were speaking with uh, senator brown just a moment ago and uh he says he feels confident that they will get a vote they will uh, get this uh funding secured here within the next couple of weeks and he accused the uh, senate republicans as using the chips act as a bargaining chip uh, to uh, get some concessions on other legislations. I, I know that that's beyond the scope of your control, certainly, but how do you, I mean, wh- what is your reaction when you, when you see uh, Senator McConnell saying that they're uh, going to hold up funding for this well, uh, unless they get some, uh, some other concessions elsewhere? Well, Senator Brown uh, respectfully does not tell the whole story. Um, the CHIPS Act originally passed the Senate on a bipartisan vote, and Senator McConnell voted for it. Mm-hmm. But then the House loaded the House loaded it down with a bunch of ancillary um, uh, provisions that included the Green New Deal and all of these other things, and that's what held this up. It was the House Democrats' unwillingness to go along with the bipartisan Senate bill that held this up originally and now they've got themselves up against the time deadline and everybody wants to negotiate the legislation uh, to favor their particular worldview. Well, let's just focus on things we know work. There's $52 billion in there to help support the reshoring of the most important industry in the world, Mm -hmm. making computer chips. And, and so let's focus on that. Let's give it a vote. We know that there's bipartisan support for it. If the Republicans and the Democrats, uh, including Senator Brown, um, just focus on that, then I think we'll all be in good shape. Are you and other state leaders sort of helpless bystanders in all of this, or have you had those conversations with uh, leadership in Washington about you know making sure that this does get done? Oh, of course, we've we've had um, a lot of conversations about it, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we continue to push. We know that the business community in Ohio is pushing. The the we have Republicans and Democrats uh, from state and local government pushing on this. Uh, there's there's we're leaving no stone unturned. Um, I, you know, I I have optimism that it will pass. I will tell you that. Maybe a week ago, I had less optimism than I do now. I, f- I feel like uh, that people are waking up to, w- 
to the opportunity that will be missed if they do not pass this legislation mm-hmm. before they break for the summer. Because this is what's going to happen. Right now, you have you have companies that need to build more computer chip, and Europe has passed its version of the EU has passed its version of the Chip Act. Asian countries, including China in particular, are subsidizing the production of chip. Their government in China is produ- uh, subsidizing about seventy percent of the cost of building these facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Asia's in, Europe's in, America needs to be in. And if they are, then these American companies, in particular Intel and others, will build these computer chips in America. If they don't pass it, they, they, can't, they can't compete on cost, and they probably will, will begin to invest their capital in other countries. And that's what's at stake over the next two weeks. And in fact, uh, Intel has said in, in uh, announcing that they were you know, putting these additional phases on hold, they have said that they are going to focus uh, their uh, funding and their uh, uh, capital investments uh, in, in other uh, areas uh, overseas. So uh, that is not an, an idle threat. They have uh, talked about that. And just to really well, quick... They, yeah, they're being, they're being courted very heavily by the yeah. European Union and, and others to and hey, under- make your investment here. It'll in- be it'll be a better return for your shareholders, and that's what they're doing. And understandably so. Uh, and and just real quickly to reiterate and why this is uh, so important, and why we uh, are, are speaking about this, and why we are paying such close attention to this, uh, because as you alluded to. You see this as perhaps a springboard to additional tech investment in the state of Ohio, not just by Intel and the additional phases of this project, but this could uh, attract other uh, tech investments and so on in the state. And obviously, this is a very important industry, both now and in the future. Well, it absolutely is. You know, the the phase one of Intel, just to recap, is, is a is twenty thousand jobs. It's it's three thousand Intel jobs. It's seven thousand construction jobs, and it's ten thousand supply chain jobs. And for every phase that gets built, it's another twenty thousand jobs. Uh, and not not to mention the other companies. We're getting calls from other companies saying, "Hey, if Intel's going to do this, we want to come to Ohio as well yeah. because we're part of that supply chain." And in addition. Um, you have 160 companies in Ohio that have been identified as suppliers to this company, to Intel and to Intel suppliers. So what you'll have, and, I, and I'm thinking one company in particular, uh, there's, a, there's a company uh, I talked to recently that has 100 employees right now. If, when, when Intel's operational, they'll grow to 400 employees just to supply one of Intel's suppliers. Mm-hmm. And, and so... It'll just ripple because well, because you you're not going to have the ability to do all of this in Columbus. It's just there's not enough right. workforce. There's not land. You're, you're, there's going to some happen in Dayton. There'll be some in Toledo and Finley mm-hmm. and Cleveland and Lorraine and, and Cincinnati and all over the place where where these suppliers are located. Where you're going to see incremental growth in all of those places. It, it will really yeah. be. From an economic development point of view, the gift that will keep on giving for a generation no longer will any Ohioan need to leave Ohio to find a great job because this will be the, this will be a, a power source for economic growth for generations. Not unlike uh, when Honda uh, invested uh, in. Uh in central Ohio in the uh, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. We know what that grew to be uh, with respect to that industry in Ohio. This is uh, kind of the same sort of thing. So history shows that yeah, this could be a, a huge thing. So, uh, again, let, uh, let me share Let me share a little one little point about that. Honda, we know how big Honda has been. Right. Their, 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 their investment over time has been $14 billion in Ohio. Phase one of Intel is $20 billion. Just to put that into context in. of what, right. what, what that, that means. Good point. Lieutenant Governor John Husted with us uh, this morning. Mr. Husted, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. And, and uh, we, uh, we are hopeful that this will get done and, and it will. Uh, if the CHIP Act passes, Ohio is going to be uh, moving forward as fast as we have in a very, very long time. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. 
Joining us in the studio once again is uh, Angela Dabosky, CEO of the United Way of Hancock County. And one of the things that we want to talk about this morning is the real life, real world ways in which the United Way can help um, those who are in need find the services and the help that they need to overcome uh, an everyday challenge. It is. And so sometimes we find ourselves in paths in life that mm-hmm. we weren't expecting to be on. Right. And so this morning I have Kate's story to share with you. So Kate called into the office. Um, she has a, a couple children, single mom, mm-hmm. um, and suddenly found herself unemployed. Her company had downsized. She'd been taking care of her family all along, had never been unemployed as an adult. And so I'll stop you there. Yeah. A lot of people right now could see them. So that could be just about anybody. I mean, there are a lot of people in the community that can relate to that situation. So Kate uh, is downsized. She's fin- suddenly finds herself unemployed. And as many people know, a lot of, especially these days, people working paycheck to paycheck. That's a, that's a huge uh, blow. It is. One in three people in our community, one in three adults, I should say, in our community are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. That means what happens, what, you know, to take care of your family, to feed your family, your rent is due. And so that's what she called in. She says, I don't know what to do. Right. So United Way was able to point her towards programs that we support, food pantries, rental assistance programs, the like, so that she could take care of those emergency needs. And then we were also able to help her with more long-term, you know, how to point towards SNAP benefits how to get um, unemployment, how to file. Here are some additional tools that you can use. Here's immediate needs that we'll take care of. Mm-hmm. Here's the tools to get you over the hump. Um, and I hap- I'm happy to say she's back at work right now taking care of her family. Yeah. And that's what we do. Uh, it, it's it, one of those things that the easiest uh, response, I, I think, to hearing that initial situation, people could say, well, hey, there are plenty of jobs out there right now, which is true, but that doesn't, necessarily answer that immediate need and as you were saying getting over the hump transitioning from being downsized out of one to finding another job right and so those programs that united way supports offer a stability to our community so people don't get themselves into such a financial hole in this case kate and her family didn't get into such a financial hole that they couldn't recover yeah how difficult must that have been to actually pick up the phone and make that call? Because that's not easy, especially when, you know, very proud to have never had to do that before, but suddenly you find yourself in a situation where you need some help. Yep. And actually, Kate had been referred by a friend who had paid into United Way the year mm-hmm. previous. So she's like, hey, the, you know what? I don't know a lot about it, but why don't you call United Way? Because this is exactly why we contribute at our workplace. So I guess the the enduring message is number one to folks who find themselves in difficult situations. As you mentioned, it's certainly not uncommon for people to be living paycheck to paycheck where an emergency or something unexpected comes up and that throws everything uh, into disarray. That's message number one is that the help is out there. The help is out there. Just call our office. You can even go onto our website if you want to just uh, do some investigation before for having to talk to a person, go on our website. You can see some of the programs that we support. Um, and then just call into the office. We have a lot of tools available. Um, even HR departments from companies will do that. So if you're if you're struggling with something in life, mm-hmm. oftentimes HR departments can point you towards resources. Or if they don't know, they call on your behalf. And the second uh, message in sharing that story is this is the impact that your dollars have with respect to United Way and other programs throughout the community. Right. So a lot of our donors don't expect that a neighbor or a friend Mm -hmm. or even themselves could be somebody that would be in one of these emergency situations. And so it's really interesting that it comes full circle that way. So again, uh, Angela Dabosky is CEO of the United Way of Hancock County. You mentioned the website where folks have, uh, you can get more information uh, if you find yourself in need or you want to find out more about the ways in which you provide every day support to our neighbors within the community. Absolutely. Just go to uwhancock.org and explore. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. 
We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Uh, this is the story of a woman who will not be up for the Mother of the Year Award. Um, this is Pulaski County, Kentucky where 35-year-old Andrea Johnson was uh, just driving along when her uh, two-year-old kid needed a diaper change. So she pulled over on the side of the road to do just that, and uh, that's when witnesses noticed several issues. First, she pulled over on the railroad tracks. (laughs) Number two, she was taking an awfully long time. Number three, it was four o'clock in the morning. And number four, she took the kid out of the car to change the child on the road. So concerned citizens called police. When the cops responded, they said uh, Ms. Johnson appeared intoxicated and charged. So she was intoxicated to boot. Uh, They charged her with endangering the welfare of a minor as well as public intoxication. She has been lodged at the Pulaski County Detention Center while her child was handed over to a more responsible family member. (laughs) Uh, Definitely not mother of the year. No, that's... Boy, you talk about misfortune. A, A woman traveling to Australia is now facing... A nearly $3,000 fine for failing to declare a sandwich that she purchased in the airport at Singapore. Jessica Lee was traveling to Australia from Singapore when she arrived. uh, You know, you go through customs and you have to declare anything that you're bringing into the country. She failed to declare the chicken and the lettuce on the customs form, two ingredients on her international sandwich uh even though she claims it was an honest mistake just a an oversight uh and honestly the customs people you know agreed they understood how an easy mistake to make however she's still on the hook for the three thousand dollar fine man i mean i know airport food is overpriced but that's ridiculous I mean, if she'd have just eaten the sandwich, I mean, she, uh, you know, kind of because she was hungry before she left on her flight. If she'd have eaten it on the plane, she would have been fine. But because she had some left over, she didn't de- declare it. Oops. Let that be a lesson to you, I guess. Uh, let's see. Now, this is a weird theft. Um, and we've had some strange things stolen that we've reported on in the broken news over the years but this is really unusual a 2000 year old relic said to contain the blood of christ has been returned by the thieves who stole it the precious blood of christ golden shrine was taken from a church in normandy france in early june police believe the thieves stole the relic after locking themselves in the church overnight A Dutch detective known for recovering stolen art said he was contacted by the thieves anonymously three weeks ago. They left the relic on his doorstep and he plans to hand it over to police this week. I I saw that and I thought, man, those guys are in trouble. I mean, there's (laughs) there's a special kind of judgment for stealing a religious artifact with the blood of Jesus Christ. It contains the blood of Jesus. That is, you don't want to mess around with that. No wonder they returned it. Man, you don't want to mess around with that. <laughs> Maybe uh, God spoke to them and said, you will give that back. You will give that back. State of South Carolina has come up with a uh, an interesting uh, plan to... Uh, raise awareness about the importance of hurricane preparedness during hurricane season in South Carolina. uh, The emergency management district in one County was searching for a way to spread the word about hurricane season and how people can stay prepared. Uh, Something, you know, beyond the typical public service announcement and all of that. Uh, 
So, so they have partnered with the Tradesman Brewing Company in Charleston to create the Know Your Zone beer. <laughs> the Know Your Zone hurricane beer. It is a light-tasting beer brewed with California hops that is being sold in select local grocery stores with a special purpose. Each can features a QR code that residents can scan with their phone. And that leads to the state of South Carolina's new emergency preparedness website just in time for hurricane season. (laughs) I can just see that in South Carolina. Hurricane's coming! Grab the beer! <laughs> Hurricane's coming! Gotta grab the beer! Save the beards! <laughs> uh, let's see. Couple of other uh, interesting stories uh, from the broken news this morning. Uh, this uh, Washington uh, broken news out of Washington. Go figure. Uh, the House of Representatives apparently is. Uh, looking to create a system for reporting UFOs. <laughs> By a voice vote on Wednesday, the House approved an amendment to the annual defense spending bill to set up a secure system for reporting unidentified aerial phenomena, or what most of us call UFOs. The uh, amendment was sponsored was co-sponsored by Arizona Democrat Ruben Gallego, and Wisconsin Republican Mike Gallagher. So, bipartisanship in Washington. <laughs> on, on a UFO, a secure UFO reporting system. And they say they're not getting anything done in Washington. And finally, in the broken news this morning, an art contest meant to engage future voters started with good intentions ended up with a very unusual new I Voted sticker mascot. The Ulster County Board of Elections in upstate New York asked kids to decide their, design their new I Voted sticker last year, the winner to be decided by popular vote. Once the internet got a look at what 14-year-old Hudson Rowan submitted, he became the runaway winner with over 80% of the vote. His design features a man's head with pink and purple skin, multicolored hair and teeth, bloodshot eyes, and some sort of black drool uh, coming out of its gaping mouth. The head sits on six teal spider-like legs and screams, I voted! (laughs) It's the craziest I voted sticker. You gotta look this up online. It's uh, the uh, commissioner of uh, Ulster County, one of the commissioners of Ulster County, Uh, is not mad that this could be their new sticker and said, we probably got a couple dozen submissions. Hudson's was the first, and it was a fan favorite even among everyone in the office. We all love it. (laughs) Uh, Some elections officials have promised that if Hudson wins, they will get the design tattooed on themselves. So that's uh, dedication right there. Again, You can't appreciate how funny that story is until you actually see the sticker. Look that up online, uh, and you'll know why we're talking about it. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN needs your help to stuff the bus with school supplies for needy students in our area. Go to WFIN.com for donation information. Bring your donation to the Yellow School Bus at the Tiffin Avenue McDonald's in Finley Thursday and Friday, July 14th and 15th from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturday, July 16th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. School supply registration forms are required and can be accessed at cchsupport.org. Stuff the Bus, brought to you by McDonald's and 1330 WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, This one is kind of interesting because we we think of uh, our kids as being picky eaters. Matter of fact, I think we were talking about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had a, uh, uh, I think we had a daily download on on picky eaters for the kids. Well, it turns out that for many of us, our pooch is just as much of a picky eater, if not pickier, than our child is. A recent survey of 2,000 dog owners 
uh, found that half of respondents always or often struggle to get their dog to eat their meals. 49% say they often or always have a tough time getting their dog to, to eat their meals. A similar percentage admit they often had to have to add things to their dog's food to get them to eat it, 48%. More than half of dog owners consider their pups to be picky eaters, 54%, because they only like particular foods. Uh, 46% say they only like particular foods. 44% say they are not interested in their food. 44% say they dislike certain ingredients in their food. Is this I, I'm I was actually surprised by this. And the reason I bring it up is because, you know, my dogs, they'll eat out of the garbage and they'll, <laughs> and they'll drink out from the toilet bowl if we don't put the seat down. So am I unusual here? My dog's just not picky. Am I? Apparently, there are a lot of uh, of dogs that are much more picky than this. Now, it should be pointed out the survey uh, which was uh, conducted by one poll commissioned by the premium dog food brand Jinx. So there is that. But they do find that more than one quarter of dog owners have at least 10 bags of unused dog food laying around their house from trying and failing to find an option that works well for their pets. On average, they say they have cycled through eight types of flavors or brands of food to finally get their dog to uh, to eat. Seven in ten say that their pooch is just as picky of an eater, if not pickier, than their child is. You know what that sound means. My wife Kyra has joined us in the studio a day early. A day early. A day early. Aren't I special? <laughs> Uh, that obviously because we are going to be at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue tomorrow uh, doing the show live for our Stuff the Bus campaign, our school supplies drive. And I can't come in my PJs, so I'm staying home. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you could, but uh, we've so. got uh, uh, other important things that we have yes. to uh, to attend to while we're, while we're there. So going to be focused on that tomorrow. And so we thought that rather than skip it, we yep. would uh, we'd just do the uh, do the recipes from Kyra's Kitchen a day early today. So mm-hmm. uh, Kyra with us uh, this morning, and we've got some uh, some good was this some just kind of simple stuff yeah. uh, today. Nothing really uh, all too complicated nope. or you know just basic uh, yep. stuff. This is some of because some of the uh, stuff that we have is kind of fancy. Yeah. It, it sounds you know. A little bit more ingredients. Stuff and yeah, yeah. This is just your basic, yeah. basic fun evening, fun stuff. Family food yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> chicken fried pork fingers. Yes. So you take so. one pound of boneless pork, uh, slice it into half inch long strips, mm-hmm. uh, a half a cup of buttermilk, one egg, one and a half cups of flour, divided. Uh, half a ta- tablespoon of parsley, half a tablespoon of garlic salt, a half a teaspoon of Old Bay seasoning or any type of good seasoning that you, that you like. Right. Um, a half a teaspoon of black pepper, a half a teaspoon of onion powder, and one to two cups of vegetable oil, and that's for, for the uh, frying them up. Mm-hmm. So using an electric skillet or a large iron pan, um, I've used both. I've used my electric wok. Uh, for I was this. gonna say this yeah. is probably another mm-hmm. wok recipe yes. I would imagine yep uh, so heat your oil to 375 that's one of the nice things about the electric wok it's right there on the thing mm-hmm. uh, cut your pork into half inch strips and place on a plate uh, while the oil is heating up add three-fourths cup of flour into a large baggie then the remaining flour in another large baggie with all the seasonings uh, then uh, shake to mix those up. Then whisk together your eggs, your buttermilk, and together in a large bowl. Um, enough for the pork strips to that you can right. put them yeah. down in it. Yeah. So um, then uh, once the oil's ready, um, place about six to eight pork fingers into the baggie with the plain fa- flour. Seal and shake to coat. Next, add the fingers to the egg mixture. 
then into the flour with all your seasonings. So it's going to go in the plain flour, then the egg, then the seasoned flour. (laughs) So Get those in the right order. Yes, and then into the skillet. Um, So fry until golden brown on both sides, about three to four minutes on each side. Okay. Um, Remember, this is pork, so definitely give it that three to four minutes. Right, exactly. You don't want to underdo it, that's for sure. Then uh, once the first batch is cooked, uh, place that on a plate uh, lined with a paper towel. You can pre uh, place it in a preheated oven at 175 degrees. I usually just put mine in the microwave. Um, keep them warm while the rest of the pork uh, fingers are being cooked, and then repeat and coat the rest of it of your just one by one right yep, on through pork your, and go pork do the process. Do the process again. So uh, a pound of boneless pork uh, in half inch long strips would mm-hmm. be roughly how many? Uh, I would say it's probably going to be, um, uh, probably, you're probably going to get about, depending on how big, about 16 strips or so. Okay. So family of four, it's four for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that should yeah. be plenty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's basically what I was asking yeah. is, you know, what kind of serving size are we talking about? And then of course, uh, with your simple dinner entree yes. there of your chicken fried pork fingers, Got to have uh, French fries. That's right. So this is, you can put this in your air fryer or you can bake it in the oven, whichever you prefer. So uh, one to two large uh, baking potatoes uh, for a larger family. You might want to use three of them. Uh, leaving the skins on. That's how I prefer it, but you don't have to if you don't like the skin. Uh, Two tablespoons of olive oil and a half a teaspoon of your seasoning salt. So pre your oven to 375 degrees and line a baking sheet with your parchment paper. Wash your potatoes and cut potatoes into thin fries um, about a quarter inch or so for the thickness. Uh, Then let the potatoes soak in cold water uh, in a bowl for about 30 minutes, uh, remove from water, dry very well with a paper towel, um, then toss fries in your oil and your seasoning salt, and then sprinkle with your seasoning salt, mm-hmm. and then spread them, spread them evenly uh, in a single layer on your parchment-lined uh, baking sheet, bake for about 20 minutes, uh, then turn your oven up to 425 degrees and cook the fries until they're golden. Um, about another 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah. The the, uh, kicker here and the uh, thing that makes this French fry recipe unique, obviously, Mm -hmm. is you're not deep frying them. Correct. So these are... And this is another one you can put in the air fryer also. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to have to do a couple more batches with your air fryer. But... uh, Unless you have a really big air fryer. These are... Mm -hmm. uh, These are yummy. And uh, then also have a a recipe for uh, garlic mayo with your fries. So garlic mayo for your fries. So it's just a third cup of mayonnaise, one teaspoon of minced garlic, half a teaspoon of white wine vinegar or uh, your lemon juice, uh, half a teaspoon of yellow mustard, uh, use um, the side of your knife and mash and gr- and uh, grind the garlic and make it like a paste. Mm-hmm. And then whisk all your other ingredients together and then refrig- it'll keep in the refrigerator for a couple weeks. Really easy. So the fries that aren't fried and yes. the uh, garlic mayo for the fries that aren't yes. fried. Yes. To go with your chicken fried pork fingers. And then for dessert, we have an Oreo cream pie. This is like... Uh, all of your guilty pleasures. Yes, uh, I know. This is a guilty pleasure uh, <laughs> recipe collection here. Yes. The Oreo cream pie. Yes. So for the crust, it's 25 Oreos, uh, Oreo cookies, um, and... Um, and that's everything. That's the yep. wafers, the filling. Yep. Everything. All of that. Okay. Yep. So. That's everything. And five tablespoons of unsalted um, butter, or you can use regular butter too. It can be either. Mm-hmm. I usually go with salted. That's what I have in my fridge. So, and then for the filling, it's eight ounces of cream cheese, three fourths cups of powdered sugar, two cups of whipped topping thawed, and 10 Oreo cookies. Uh, those are chopped up, not crushed. So, for your crust, uh, crush up your Oreo cookies in a food processor. Or if you don't have a food processor, put them in a Ziploc baggie and crush them up with a rolling pin. Mm-hmm. Uh, mix the cookies with the melted butter. Press into the bottom and up the sides of a nine-inch pie plate with the bottom of a glass. So if you have a, a glass that's flat on the bottom, you yeah. can use that. Yeah. Um, place it in the fridge um, and while you're making your filling. So you're going to put that in the fridge, let yep. it uh, firm up. Yep. 
And then you're going to make your filling. So in a large bowl, beat your cream cheese, your powdered sugar until soft. Then uh, fold in your whipped topping, um, followed by your chopped Oreo cookies. Uh, Spoon the filling into the pie crust, then smooth the top. Uh, Place back in the fridge to chill for at least an hour before serving. Um, You can save, if you want, you can save a few of your Oreos and kind of sprinkle those on top. The chopped Oreos, Mm -hmm. yeah. The chopped ones, or if you want to, the processed ones, if you just, whatever you want to. Oh, yeah, I guess you can do either way. However you want to do it. So, and then sprinkle those on top and put them in the fridge until you're ready to serve it. And as simple as that. Simple. Uh, Easy peasy. Yeah, no bake there. Yes. Uh, So, the uh, recipe for the chicken fried pork fingers the French fries and the garlic mayo for the French fries that aren't fried. Yes. And the Oreo cream pie. We've got all of those uh, posted at the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN. So check that out. We'll also uh, link them up on the WFIN Facebook page so you can check those out there. And, of course, we have the link at goodmornings.net as well for all of those recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Yes. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, we will be on location at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue part of our annual drive to collect school supplies for kids in need. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.